Welcome, everyone, to the Innovation Scholar Podcast. My name is Eli Hughes, and I will be the host for today's episode. And with me, I have David Ramsberg and Dr. Terry Cyphers. So first, a little introduction about who Dave and Terry are and what they do here at the University of Charleston. Uh, Dave is the Director of Innovation. He's an MBA, and Terry is the Assistant Director of Innovation, and he has his Ph.D., so we thank you guys for being with us here today. It's a pleasure having you on the show. You're our first guest ever. How do you feel about that? Oh, we're glad to be here. Awesome. I can, I can hear your voice already. <laughs> so first off, I'd like to ask uh, each, each of you, uh, what brought you to UC? What, how did you become to be here at the University of Charleston? Um, for me, that's a long story. I'll try to keep it short. Um, <clears throat> I had a long career in the tech industry, and over time, I um, started a couple of my own businesses related to um, project management and that kind of thing. That, that ultimately led me into a position at WVU working with student entrepreneurs and, um, and such. Met a lot of people there. Once the Innovation Center at UC was opened, um, I was asked by the, the current vice president of innovation at that point to come down and be the director here. So I came down in uh, January 2017 to Charleston and been here ever since. Awesome. That sounds great. Terry, how about you? Yeah, for me, I took a, uh, a unique path here. Uh, I'm a former military officer, and when I left the military, I moved into the financial services industry. And from there, I did some entrepreneurship, a few businesses, much like Dave. And I eventually landed at the Small Business Development Center here in West Virginia, and I spent, I don't know, six, seven years coaching um, different types of businesses, those that are starting up and growing. And that's where Dave and I first met. And uh, we did some projects together there. And then there was an opening for an assistant director. And you know, I loved what I did for the state. And after some time uh, speaking with Dave, what I realized is there was a tremendous opportunity here. And, of course, President Roth has a background in innovation as well. He was a chief innovation officer uh, for a different university in his time. And I knew that I was around innovation people. So I knew the culture of innovation was here at UC. The culture of innovation, to be quite frankly, was funded, too. There was a real commitment to move innovation forward, not only at UC, but throughout the community. And so... From that, I, I interviewed, and, you know, again, I'd worked with Dave before, so I knew that it would be the right fit for me. And uh, I think over the last three and a half years, man, we've had a great run at it. Absolutely. Yeah, well, that's awesome. Uh, for kind of a follow-up question uh, from those, you know, how, how do you think this innovation program compares to everywhere else in the state of West Virginia? Mm-hmm. Thank me for either one would be the answer. Uh, that's a good question. Um I think ours is is very unique because we work with um, undergraduates and we define innovation a lot more broadly than than most. It's usually affiliated more with product development, new making new widgets, creating new inventions. Um, there are a lot of other ways that you can innovate, and I think that's really what we try to communicate in our innovation program here. Yeah, just to sort of follow on what David said when. The Innovation Scholar Program, in particular, uh, was formed. What 
we were really trying to do is, is we started to ask the question, the marketplace is demanding, absolutely demanding people who can innovate. Uh, I don't know if you uh, audience has had a chance to really look at the job boards for innovators. It's, it's crazy. And the trend is clear. The high-paying jobs are going to those people who can innovate. And so what Dave and I had done is we started that discussion. How do we position students through this innovation scholar program to meet those 21st century job opportunities? And from that was born, as as you well know, as an innovation scholar, um, a very specific programming with the ultimate goal of helping you, you guys understand how to meet those needs. And more importantly, uh, for Dave and I, we're, we're doing our best, and I think we've got some data to back this up, that many of our innovation scholars, uh, scholars, I would say, what do you think, Dave, four to seven years ahead of their peers when they leave? Yeah, I think they probably are. They, they come out with a um, set of skills that's at least more developed than their peers um, coming out of undergraduate programs. Yeah. Well, that's great. I, I've seen it. I've seen uh, fellow scholars graduate and go on to big things. I, I think I agree with that assumption. Um, so, just for the audience, to explain to our audience uh, what is the Innovation Scholar Program? Because we really haven't really talked about that. We've mentioned it several times, but what's like the definition of it? Like, what what happens with it? Yeah. So, what we do is is we're looking for high achievers. We're looking for folks who view the world a little differently, and we interview those folks and ultimately we make a decision on whether we are going to offer them a scholarship or not and it's it's a relatively competitive process once they're offered the scholarship then we move them into the innovation scholar program and they start to engage in the freshman sophomore junior and senior year programming and that consists of quite a bit of things Uh, a few of the things that, that I would just mention that may be of interest to the audience is how do innovators lead? So there's a leadership component to innovation because ultimately when you think about innovation, there's a change management component. You're taking something from a current state, adding more value to it, and bringing it to an organization. And that change represents, and that positive change represents innovation in what what the literature would say is is uh, a lot of folks have trouble with that. So we teach our scholars, one, how do you lead? The second thing we do is, is we teach them how to work in teams. And what we've seen as well is the actual trends that says we're moving to more and more virtual teams. And part of that is, is we put situations in place where scholars are forced to work virtually, and of course they meet as well. COVID certainly helped that. There's no question there. And then I think the most important thing we do is is we start to teach them a methodology of what innovation looks like. As Dave eloquently mentioned, innovation comes in a couple different forms. There can be new service innovations, new process innovations, new product innovations, new inventions. There can also be new business models that are came up and, and new organizational structures. So what we do is is we give our scholars a broadened view of innovation. And oh, by the way, the definition that we've adapted of innovation 
comes from the U.S. Commerce Advisory Board. So it seems like we weren't the only one having that conversation. It was held at a much higher level. So we, we took that sort of as part of our transcaping and implemented that into the programming. Wow. Uh, that sounds pretty incredible. I mean, I've heard it all before, you know, as an innovation scholar, but you know, I'm sure our audience is probably blown away because every time I hear it, I still get kind of like, wow, like, I can't believe this is happening. So, um, yeah. So, uh, you know, Dave, you've been here longer than Terry has in the program. So um, Terry kind of touched on it a little bit, but, like, how was this whole thing, like, started? Like, how, how did innovation program come to be? It was just like, oh, we're going to start a program one day. Like, or, like you know, how was it? Um. When the Innovation Center was being built, there was a lot of conversation, and this was before my time getting here, but um, there was a lot of conversation about, okay, we're going to have this Innovation Center. What does it need to have in it? How are we going to run it? What is it going to do? Um, And ultimately, uh, the leadership at that time thought it would be a good thing to have a group of students who were affiliated with that center in some way, um, full-time, whether that was a scholarship or something. Um, Ultimately, they landed on the idea of the Innovation Scholar Program, and the intent there was to have students who were fully engaged in all the programming at the Innovation Center and really became the lifeblood of that building, because otherwise it's just concrete and steel. And I think over time we've done a good job of giving it some personality, and it's created a culture in the building that that has spread across campus. Yeah, I, I would agree with Dave. And to be honest with you, we we have such great momentum at the Innovation Center with the leadership team and, and also uh, with the Whirlies. They've been incredible supporters of the program. And that certainly has made mine and Dave's job much easier. And it's, quite frankly, afforded opportunities to innovation scholars that you know, many students don't get. I know that you've went through your Lean Six Sigma Black Belt certification. We have folks who are currently in that program. We have folks who are doing the uh, CAPM, which is a project management-based program, and also a development program. We actually have uh, one student who's going through, hey, how do we work through teaming better? Wow. which Which is really, really cool. And and we continuously send people to design thinking schools, you know, in particular IDEO, which was, uh, you know, for folks who are into design thinking, they'll recognize the name. Right. And it's, it's incredible. It's just incredible. You know, sometimes I pinch myself and I can't believe I get to do this every day. Yeah, I know. I know as being an innovation scholar, I've really benefited from you know, the world's generosity. And uh, I was able to have some pretty fortunate uh, opportunities due to that that I never would have gotten anywhere else besides you know, the University of Charleston and innovation program. So they're incredible. Absolutely yep. incredible. Yeah. Well, here comes another question. Uh, you know, like, you know, the reason why we're here today, uh, tell us about the international association of innovation professionals. IAOIP. Yeah. So when I came over, I guess it's been three and a half years ago, Dave, Dave and I had sit down and what we wanted to do was, is we wanted to tether um, the program to something that was based in in the science of innovation. And so as we started to look for a professional organization in innovation, there was a couple criteria that we wanted. 
the first was is that they published um, a peer-reviewed magazine. We found that with IAOIP. The second thing that we were looking for is there was certifications to give that baseline knowledge to our students. They have the certified professional innovator, which we was really interesting. Two years ago, Austin Davis was the first CPI in the entire state of West Virginia. Oh, wow. That's was, incredible. Yeah, he's an innovation scholar, Austin. And how old was he? Oh, Austin at that time was probably 20. Oh, wow. So he's pretty young, too. So, wow. Yeah. And the other thing that we wanted with that type of organization is we wanted to have a community, a place where we could send innovation scholars to network with professionals in the industry. So IOIP also has a yearly conference. So as we moved through and as we started to evaluate, the choice was clear for us. IOIP was the right place. And subsequently, we went on to found the first IOIP chapter in West Virginia. We're the state chapter, which is which is really cool. Wow. That's great. So what, next question. What are you guys trying to accomplish with all this? Like, what's the point of the Innovation Scholar Program? What's the point of spreading, you know, innovation across campus and, you know, the International Association? I mean, what's the point with all that? It's a great question, Eli, and it's one that Dave and I think through every single day. We reframe it a little different, and we ask ourselves, how can we add value? Oh, that's good. How can we add value to our communities? How can we add value to the school? And ultimately, how do we live out our mission statement? at UC. That's everything we do revolves around that. But to maybe answer the question more fully, I believe this in my heart. And, you know, I think it's backed up by some of the recent announcements from the governor's office. Nucor, there's some tech companies coming in and others. I believe in my heart of hearts, we are in the middle of the great West Virginia renaissance. It's here. It's here. And the question becomes is, how do we help our students in this great West Virginia renaissance? What does that look like? What does that mean? Because West Virginia, let's, let's, let's be honest, it's the prettiest state in the union. Yes, I'm a little biased, but how can you argue that? It's an incredible place to live. It's an incredible place to work. And we have a culture that's unique. And what you see is, is you see the catalyst for that West Virginia renaissance and we want to be a part of that, and we continue every day asking ourselves, how do we move that forward? Yeah, I think the state has. <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, I think the state has um, no shortage of people who work hard. They they aren't afraid of challenges, and what we're bringing to go with that now is some methodology and understanding of what innovation is and what it can do beyond creation of a product and how it can be applied in almost any circumstance. And as we thought about it, UC is the perfect place to do that. Uh, The amount of new uh, majors that have been added in entrepreneurship, data analytics, and the list goes on and on and on. There's a new sales and marketing center that's opening up. UC is kind of the place where it's all happening. It's a phenomenal place to work and to be a part what's really happening in West Virginia. I couldn't agree more. Though I'm a little bit biased, but I cannot agree more. And the view's great too, right? That's right, yeah. I think it's the best view of any campus, I think, in West Virginia. Right across from the state capitol. It can get much better than that. It's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
So, I mean, who's allowed to join IOIP? Is it just for innovation scholars or can the outside world students, faculty, who's, who can join it if they're interested? Yeah, another great question. The goal of IOIP is to, cle- is to create collision points for innovators and to exchange knowledge and best practices. So it's open to the public, and all they would have to do is contact you as, as you're the leader of IOIP now. Mm-hmm. So we would love to have whoever would want to join. That's great. And so I'll speak about, uh, you know, what it does. Uh, so we have, like, we, have, we will have monthly meetings as an activity, uh, though those tend to be, can change because COVID's kind of limited our uh, exposure to the community and who all can be on campus and who can't. But I'm looking really looking forward to COVID, you know, hopefully being in the rearview mirror and us being able to go out there and invite people to our beautiful campus and become part of the program. So I look forward to that. Yeah, we had some some really fun meetings. Um, we had 30 or 40 people show up early on when we first started the chapter before the pandemic hit. Um, and uh, those were really engaging meetings that um, I think opened a lot of people's eyes well beyond um, innovation being a buzzword. It was more of, hey, now there really there really is science behind it. There really is ways you can innovate, um, ways you can approach particular types of problems, um, and you can do it in a structured way and make a lot more headway than just pure brainstorming. Right. I mean, it sounds like UC is very uh, innovative culture as a whole. Like you know, not just our program, but you know, everyone on campus. And how how influential do you think, and how how big of a part do you think Dr. Roth is, at, you know, leading in that culture and that storm? Like, how big of a part do you think he has? Yeah, he's been great. I mean, I he's been great to work for. And the thing that I enjoy most about him is he comes with that background. So I get to learn from him. And some of the, some of the pieces that he's provided has been pretty cool for us. And just to have the leadership's support, and not only Dr. Roth, but the cabinet and the board of trustees, mm-hmm. it's, it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. There's an alignment toward innovation that I think probably not happened in a long time. And, uh, man, I can't wait for what's in store. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Dave, do you have any thoughts? I, I think Terry covered it well. We, we are allowed um, – the flexibility to do what we think is going to help um, propel innovation and encourage the culture of innovation. Um, and Dr. Roth has been behind us 100 um, percent, as well as uh, um, the Worley Foundation and various other uh, folks that have been engaged with the, the program. So uh, we couldn't be happier with the support that we get here. Yeah, I, I can concur. Uh, Dr. Roth is very much for the students, and I really, I really do think he has our best interest, you know, at, Telling us into society as successful, you know, citizens and you know, human beings. So I agree 100%. So we've touched on the innovation program, IOIP, the culture of innovation. Uh, what else does what else does uh, in store for the university through you know through innovation? Is there anything you know anything you know happening or in the works or any events going on or anything? I'll throw out a teaser. <laughs> okay, hold on, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and it's going to be so vague. But hopefully it'll uh, it'll get people's attention. In the next four to six weeks, we plan on having a potential, it's not completely set in stone, really big announcement as it relates to UC Innovation. And I'll stop there. Wow. That's, that's, a, that's a teaser. Yeah, that's a big one, too. That's a, wow. 
you know, like where we'll be able to find out this information at for our listeners, you know, our social media pages or you know, yeah, that's a great idea. Do we have like a, a mailing list we can have them subscribe to? The you'll you'll see it through the university's website. You also see it through the Innovation Scholar channels. Uh, there'll be uh, other channels as well, uh, print media as well as. Uh, I said the whole uh, Charleston area is going to know about it, huh? It's going to be pretty cool. Wow, I'm looking forward yep. to hearing that. But maybe have you back on the show to announce it. Maybe a grand announcement. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, what about uh, I3 Day? Uh, for those who uh, who aren't familiar with that, uh, I3 Day is our annual. Uh, we have like it's one day a year, Dave. Is that right? We mm-hmm. have, we they cancel classes and they have like an innovation competition, right? Yeah, um, it it started that way. Uh, again, the the pandemic greatly affected what we've been able to do over the last couple of years. But I3 is an internal competition for everybody to partake. Um, so we have various categories. Um, both for students as well as faculty and staff. And the whole premise behind it is to get ideas on the table because we often find when someone has an idea, they will self-sabotage their idea or they'll let someone else sabotage their idea without actually having an open conversation about it. So the, the driving intent behind it was to create a forum where these ideas could be presented. Um, there's actually some cash awards available for some of the best ideas, um, but really the intent was to incentivize people to share because without the conversations about these ideas and getting feedback and, and improving them along the way, they just kind of die on the vine. So it's been our way internally to um, spur the sharing of innovation and get feedback. Um, we, we always have external judges from off campus, from the community, um, so it's not a closed environment per se. So we get feedback from industry and various people in the community. Um, and it's been a very, very positive um, event. When we're able to do it live, it's one of the most popular, biggest events on campus every year. Last couple of years, we've had to go virtual, um, but it's still very popular. Uh, we've still had a tremendous turnout from judges' interest from the community. We, we get about 50 judges a year to participate. So. Um, it's been a great way for us to to cultivate the culture of innovation as well as begin to share that with the community. Wow, that sounds pretty wonderful, pretty wonderful. And so, uh, finally, our I think the thing to take us home is talk about the beautiful Worley Innovation Center and what it all has to offer for students and those in, you know in the outside community. What all happens there? Like what's available for us to use? What resources are available would be a better way to put it? Well, we've got um, a lot of beautiful space. There's no doubt about that. Um, We've got about 6,500 square feet uh, facilities available for the community to come in and host meetings. Uh, We've got a state-of-the-art conference room that's available. Um, It has become the most popular conference room on campus. Um, (laughs) um, uh, Dr. Roth has had quite a few meetings there. The cabinet comes over on occasion, and, of course, we use it a lot. Um, and we have, we've had a few companies from outside come in and, and they want a place where they can get away from their, uh, their own offices and come in and, and host a meeting where they can focus completely on something that they want to work on. Um, <clears throat> we've got some 3d printing capabilities for prototyping. Um, so if anybody's interested in that, they can let me know or get in touch with the innovation scholars and we, we can help them produce 
physical representations of whatever it is they're, <laughs> they're trying to produce. Um, we've got um, also a, what has turned out to be the most popular classroom on campus as well that overlooks the atrium and the innovation center. So there's a little bit of something there for everyone. Uh, we've got some events uh, now that COVID seems to be easing up. I will begin hosting live events again. Um, we've got one coming up in April called Raspberry Jam. So that's a, uh, that's an event where um, we'll, we'll have some, some classes and demonstrations about using um, small computers, Raspberry Pi and Arduino. So that'll be a cool event. We did that. I think it was the week that COVID shut everything down a couple of years ago. Uh, we had that event right before that happened. Um, so we're, we're bringing that one back. Um, and through the summer, I think we'll be looking at hosting more and more events live on campus. Wow. That sounds great. Well, I believe our time has uh, come up for this episode. Uh, so this is a great way to kick off our podcast. Uh, I appreciate you both for being here. Thanks and, for having us. And yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully you guys can come back and maybe when we have our big announcement, maybe we'll have a special episode, special update on the big announcement. And we'll make sure to keep our viewers, you know, let them know as well, yep. you know, what that announcement turns out to be. But um, it should be pretty big from what I just heard from Terry. So everyone stay tuned. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Well, thank you for everyone for listening today. Uh, This is the Innovation Scholar Podcast with your host, Eli Hughes, and thank you very much.